Thank you, Gary. Good morning. Uh, it's just one of those mornings. I feel like uh, I'm, I'm living a pastor's country song. You know, uh, last night, we're, we're doing baptisms in the second service. Last night, I couldn't find my swim trunks. And then I found them, and then I came to church this morning and forgot them. So I had a quick text my wife, can you please bring my swim trunks to the second service? Then we get here and the, the water heater in the baptismal tank isn't working, so the water's cold and I should have brought my waders and you know, it's just, uh, and then I was making coffee downstairs this morning when I got here and I forgot to put a filter in. So I had crunchy coffee. So it's just like, it's like the pastor's country song um, this morning. But we are, we are post-Thanksgiving. As we were singing that last song, I was I just, it was just, I feel like maybe the Lord put this thought on my mind. Uh, holidays are a hard season for a lot of people. They're, they're a good season for a, a lot of us, but they're a hard season for a lot of people too. We grieve those that we've lost. Uh, a lot of families have some family tension, and, uh, and that can create some difficulty around the holidays. As we were singing that last song, it just kind of settled in my soul. God's grace is enough. If all we have is God's grace and we don't have anything else, a hundred million years from now, we'll be saying God's grace was sufficient. God's grace was enough. I don't need all this other stuff. And uh, so I just, that thought just came to me. I thought I would share it with you. I have uh, two other quick announcements. It is the season, tis the season for announcements um, as we're nearing Christmas. Um, Next, or two Sundays from now, or next Sunday, December 5th, Next Sunday, after the second service, we are having um, a quick parent meeting for kids, uh, for parents of kids who are in Lakeview Kids, so up to fifth grade. Uh, if you have kids birth through fifth grade, we'd like to have it. It's less than a half hour. We just have a couple of quick things we want to point out. Uh, we're changing some curriculum downstairs. We want to bring you in on that. We've got some cool stuff coming for the kids, too. Uh, so that's next Sunday, immediately following the second service. And then on December 8th, we're having a family worship night with the youth group. That's a Wednesday night. So everybody's invited to come to that if you'd like. Uh, we're really wanting parents to stick around and hang out and worship with us a little bit. Uh, just family worship night with the youth group on December 8th. Um, and then I wanted to give you a, uh, an update on Corinne. Thank you to everybody that's been praying for her. Uh, she has been making slow progress um, by God's grace. We were able to travel for Thanksgiving. And so she was able to travel and God sustained her through that and so she's not out of the woods yet she's got a little ways left to go but she is making progress and is recovering and so I just want to say thank you for your prayer and thank the Lord for uh, his sustenance in that okay let's let's get into scripture we um, we are post Thanksgiving and so I hope that you all had a great Thanksgiving I thought maybe a fun thing to do would be to, to share some Thanksgiving dad jokes um, and so are these pastor jokes or dad jokes? The answer is yes. Um, here, here's the first joke. What is the best song to play while cooking a turkey? And the answer is all about that based. <laughs> and some of you laughed and some of you didn't. Just Google all about that bass and you'll figure it out. Uh, okay, next, next one. What do you call a running turkey? Fast food. Oh, yeah. My, this was my boy's favorite one, this next one. Why, why did the cranberries turn red? And the answer is because they saw the turkey dressing. <laughs> oh, it's 
great. And the last one, the last one. What vegetables would you like with your Thanksgiving dinner? Beets me. <laughs> I, hate, I hate beets, by the way. Uh, it's a running joke in our house. Dad, eat some beets. Yeah. I thought that uh, some Thanksgiving jokes would be appropriate, especially because our beatitude today that we're looking at is Matthew 5, 6, which is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hungering and thirsting after a weekend of feasting with our family and friends on Thanksgiving. Uh, It's appropriate timing. Um, And we want to be a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we are in the Beatitudes. If you want to find Matthew chapter 5, we're going to go through uh, those first few verses in a minute. But we want to be a people who live this out, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know about you, but I've found in my life the times and seasons when I am hungering and thirsting after the temporary, fleeting, self-indulgent pleasures of the world are the times and seasons when I am not as hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God, for the word of God, for the way of Christ, for the things of God, for the family of God. If I am filling my life up on the fast food, junk food uh, of the world's life and the world's way of life, then I am not as hungry for God's word and for God's way. And so sometimes if we want to be a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, we need to deny ourselves these temporary, fleeting, short-term pleasures of self-indulgent life. And we need to make ourselves or focus on the word of God and, and grow in our hunger and thirst for him and his righteousness. And that's why we're doing, it's one of the reasons why we're doing um, this winter a spiritual uh, journey called Remove the High Places. And this is a a nine-week spiritual uh, program where we're going to practice denying self, taking up our cross, and following Christ every day. Uh, It's a a spiritual practice that combines uh, some ancient Christian practices like daily scripture and prayer and meditation on God's word. weekly gathering with the church to worship together, weekly gathering with two or three other people uh, to pray and encourage one another, and practicing some spiritual disciplines. Now, discipline isn't a word we like to use in our culture, but spiritual disciplines have been around for uh, thousands of years. Going all the way back into the Old Testament, God's people had rhythms of feasting and fasting and disciplines and spiritual practices. So here are some of the spiritual practices. I already mentioned daily prayer, meditation on scripture, meeting weekly with a growth group. Uh, That's two to three, five other people or so to pray and encourage one another. We're going to fast something, doesn't have to be food, uh, but fast something for 24 hours. Could be your phone, could be uh, news, it could be what, just fast something for 24 hours each week um, for during this nine-week program. Uh, we want to sleep and exercise consistently because if our physical bodies are out of alignment, It'll be hard to uh, uh, reorient or realign ourselves spiritually. These, we're all connected. Um, we want to limit our media consumption to four hours a week. That's movies, TV shows, everything. We want to limit it to four hours a week. So be really picky about what you're watching on a screen. We want to abstain from some things like video games, social media, candy and sweets, and unnecessary mobile device use. We're going to do that on Monday through Saturday. Each week of these nine weeks, we're going to fast. 
uh, in other words. And then on Sunday, the Lord's Day, we're going to feast. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Day by gathering to worship with our church family, by enjoying our family, our friends, by enjoying good food and all the things that God has given us to enjoy with glad and generous hearts. We're going to do that on Sunday. It's a nine-week program. It's called Remove the High Places. Uh, we've written um, nine weeks worth of devotionals through the Gospel of John. We're all going to be devo- uh, meditating on John's Gospel together. And so um, if you would like to, to participate in that, uh, we have a book that's got the devotionals and all the instructions in it. Uh, we just need you to go onto our website, lakeviewfree.org, sign up, uh, let us know so we can order a copy of the book. The books are $5, but if you can't afford that, don't worry about it. We'll just give it to you for free. Um, it's not just a sales pitch for Remove the High Places program. It really does fit into what we're doing because we want to be a people who hunger and thirst not for the things of the world, but for the righteousness of God, and then we will be satisfied. Um, let's, let's stand together and read through uh, the Beatitudes. We've been reading through this text every week. I thought we could read it together today. Uh, and then we will dive into verse 6. But let's read the whole thing, starting with Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Will you read it aloud with me? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you." Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us these words of wisdom uh, and, and preserving them. The Holy Spirit, you preserved them through the, the, the centuries for us today. Would you speak clearly as we dig into your word and would you bring life? In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Thanks for reading that with me. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is our beatitude for today. What does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be satisfied? What are the terms? What are we talking about when, we, when you hear the word righteousness? What comes to mind? First thing that we need to do is define our terms so that we know what we're talking about. We're all on the same page. Um, here's a great definition of righteousness that comes from Kathy Detto, who is a, a theologian. Uh, righteousness is having all things set right. To desire righteousness in ourselves is to desire that we are living in line with who we were created to be and not in rebellion to it. When there is righteousness in the world, then all things will be in right relationship with one another and will be living and acting according to their created purposes. 
I would encourage you to take a, a snapshot of that definition. Well, let me read it one more time. Righteousness is having all things set right. To desire righteousness in ourselves is to desire that we are living in line with who we were created to be and not in rebellion to it. When there is righteousness in the world, then all things will be in right relationship with one another and will be living and acting according to their created purpose. This is what righteousness is. And the first point that I want to uh, highlight for you this morning is that righteousness is both personal and social. Goodness is both private and public. If we're going to hunger and thirst for righteousness, we need to understand that what we're hungering and thirsting for is a righteousness that is both personal and social. See, the problem uh, in our society today is that we tend to separate personal righteousness and social righteousness, and we fall on two ends of a spectrum, conservative and liberal. And I'm not using those words in political terminology, I'm using them in theological terminology. Christians who are theologically more liberal focus on social righteousness, righteousness, while those who are theologically more conservative focus on personal righteousness. But in the Bible, they're two sides of the same coin. They can't be separated. They, can't, they, they go hand in hand. Uh, and, and so let, let me just highlight a little bit uh, the, the, the scope of the problem. First of all, let's look at the, the liberal perspective. The liberal view is that I want social righteousness, but I don't want you to tell me how I have to live my life. I want systemic justice and righteousness in the world around me, but I also want to live however I want, whenever I want, for whatever I want. And the problem is that doesn't work. (laughs) I'll never forget uh, shortly after I came uh, here to Stoughton, I was meeting with some local pastors. Uh, I was the new guy in town and they were just welcoming, welcoming me in. And one of the pastors told me, he said, uh, I hope you're not one of those conservative fundamentalist pastors. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, <clears throat> here's, here's my thought. It's time that we stop worrying about what's happening between the sheets and start caring about what's happening in the streets. As if God doesn't care at all about our personal or private lives and the only thing he's worried about are the hurting and the suffering and those that are in need out in the world around us. And he said, you're not gonna be one of those pastors that worries about what happens behind closed doors in the privacy of my bedroom, are you? And I said, well, I, I preach the Bible and I wasn't really sure what to say, to be honest. Uh, you know, if it's in here, I'm gonna say it. And if that's offensive, I'm sorry. But um, here's the thing. God, <laughs> thanks, Chad. God cares... <laughs> God cares about both. God cares about both. Unjust people do not create just societies. If we want social justice and social righteousness, we have to be a just and righteous people. That's just the way it is. God does not only care about what we do but he also cares about who we are. Yes, he cares about the hurting and the suffering and those that are in need in the world around us. And he also cares about what happens in our families and what happens on our screens 
and what happens behind closed doors and what's going on in our hearts and the kind of people that we are becoming. Because if we are self-centered, self-indulgent, self-pleasing, self-focused, self-promoting people, we won't care much at all about what's going on in the world around us. Unless I can throw a bumper sticker on my car and then promote myself as someone who supports a cause. Right? The, the unjust people do not create just societies. Ideas have consequences. What we believe, what we value, the kind of people that we are, the things that we do will determine the kind of society that we build. We cannot seek justice apart from love for God. It doesn't work. It's never worked throughout human history. It's not working right now in our secular society and it will not work no matter how hard we try. People who do not value righteousness in themselves will not value righteousness in the world around them. Personal righteousness and social righteousness are together. They belong together. And you can't, like the the liberal Christians want to say, well, give me social righteousness, but leave me alone in my personal life. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, the liberals aren't the only ones who make a mistake. On the other end of the the, um, spectrum is the conservative idea. The conservative idea is that let's focus on social righteousness, almost forgetting about or let's focus on personal righteousness, almost forgetting about the need for social righteousness, right? Uh, we, we see oppression and injustice and abuse and addiction and poverty and helplessness in the world all around us. And then we retreat into our holy huddles. We, we retreat into our, our Bible studies and our small groups and our church circles, our Christian bubbles, And when we do engage in social justice, it's often in the form of a rant on social media instead of actually helping those who are in need. And when we see people who've um, sometimes made poor decisions that have landed them in tough places, we tend not to have much compassion on them. Well, if they would have just made a different lifestyle choice, they wouldn't be in that mess. That's not how Jesus acted when he came. He ate with the outcasts. He reached out to them. He loved them. The conservative view looks at James 1.27. And we say, oh, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Personal righteousness. And that sounds really good, except that's not what James 1.27 says. James 1.27 says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Social righteousness and to keep oneself unstained from the world, personal righteousness. We love to cut out that little middle part. Eh, that's hard. We don't know how to do that. That requires special skills and training. Oh, but, but keeping oneself unstained from the world, that's easy. I can just detach and withdraw from everything around me. Right? So these two things go hand in hand. We cannot have personal righteousness without social righteousness, and we cannot have social righteousness without personal righteousness. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, in the message version says this, if anyone boasts, I love God, personal righteousness, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, think nothing, nothing of it, he is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, that's social righteousness. How can he love the God he can't see? That's personal righteousness. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. 
You can't do one without the other. See, the liberal view fails and the conservative view fails because we try to separate personal righteousness from social righteousness. The reality is, if our personal righteousness is not producing social righteousness, then it is only producing self-righteousness. And that is worthless in the kingdom. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not those who are rich in self-righteousness, right? Our, social, our personal righteousness must produce social righteousness. So to wrap this point up, I have a really great quote from uh, New Testament scholar D.A. Carson, who says this, We hunger and thirst not only that we may be righteous, but that justice may be done everywhere. All unrighteousness grieves us and makes us homesick for the new heaven and earth, the home of righteousness. Satisfied with neither personal righteousness alone nor social justice alone, we cry for both. Does that quote describe you? Does it describe me? Satisfied with neither personal righteousness alone nor social justice alone, we cry for both. When we see the effect that sin has had in the world around us, do we mourn? Like Pastor Josh preached, blessed are those who mourn for the sin in our own hearts and for the sin in the world around us. Does it grieve us? Does it make us homesick for the new heaven and the new earth? Do we cry out to God for personal and social righteousness? The second point that I want to make this morning out of this beatitude is that it, and this comes from uh, Alfred Plummer. I don't know who that is, but it's a really good quote. <laughs> it is the hunger and thirst for righteousness and not the possession of it that is pronounced blessed. Right? It is our, we, we, we are blessed when we desire goodness, not when we have goodness. It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness that Jesus said is blessed, not having righteousness. Now, why would he say it that way? Well, it's because we become like that which we love. Uh, Augustine said it this way, one becomes conformed to that which one loves. If we are loving and hungering and focusing and desiring the things of the world and the way that the world lives, we will become more and more like the world. But if we are hungering and thirsting and loving and desiring and focusing on the way of Christ and the way that Jesus lived and the thing that, things that he taught, then we will slowly over time become conformed to the image of Christ. It is the loving and the longing that transforms us and that is making us into a different kind of human being. See, God is concerned with more than uh, what we are doing. He is concerned with who we are becoming. It's not about just checking off some good deed boxes. It's not about doing the occasional act of righteousness. That's not what's blessed. What's blessed is being the kind of human being who is passionate for God's righteousness to be restored. I can go out and do some good things. I can help somebody across the street with their groceries. I can do some nice things for my neighbor and not be the kind of person that is wrecked by sin in my life and the world and hungers for God to set all things right. And the, the, Jesus says what's blessed is being the kind of human that desires and hungers and longs for all things to be set right. This past uh, Halloween, we were going uh, trick-or-treating. And, you know, when you're a parent and you're raising, I've got four boys and, yeah, anyway. Uh, 
we were going, and, and it was actually one of the things that I, I felt like maybe in some small way, uh, one out of a thousand ways, I've succeeded. Now, a thousand, 999 ways I failed as a parent, but here's one which maybe I've made it some headway and then we went on a Thanksgiving trip and I realized I hadn't, but that's okay. Uh, we were going around doing, the things, doing trick-or-treating and they were going up and getting candy and they were saying thank you without having to be told. And I'm like, man, for so long, I like, I get on them, say thanks, say thanks, say thanks. They, and, and now I see them saying thank you without being told. And what, I, what do I realize? They are becoming thankful people. Well, that's a whole lot better than just rotely, thank you. No, if, they're, if they are thankful people whose hearts are full of gratitude, that will change who they are, right? That's what God is, is producing in us. It is the hungering and the thirsting for righteousness that transforms us into the kind of people that desire God to come and set all things right. And that's the, the, the application of this second point. Righteousness is given. It is not achieved. It's given. It is not achieved through occasional acts of goodness. It is given by God. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then look at the second part. For they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied by God. It is a righteousness that God gives that we cannot achieve by ourselves. We do not fill ourselves with righteousness. We are filled with righteousness by God. If we hunger and thirst for it. The question is not, are you a righteous person? The question is, are you hungry and thirsty for God's righteousness in your own life and in the world around you? Now, how do we cultivate a hunger and a thirst for righteousness? Uh, wanted to hand this out. Hopefully everybody got a copy. Uh, there's this little half sheet and there's, there are two prayers. Uh, if, for those of you who are a little more traditional, there's prayer uh, number one from St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, and, and on the back, if you, if you like something a little more contemporary, I stole the lyrics of a Brandon Heath song. Uh, and if you didn't get all about that based, you might not know Brandon Heath either. But that's okay. Uh, so I would encourage you to take this little half sheet. And here's a challenge. Pick one of these prayers or both of them. Pray it every day through the end of the calendar year and see what happens. I have friends uh, who are missionaries, Dan and Christy Eucharic, and the first place that they went was to Guatemala and they were doing orphan care. But the way that they got into being missionaries is they started praying what they called a very dangerous prayer. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And they prayed that prayer every day for months and then they could not be restrained from going to Guatemala and getting involved with orphans and children who are at risk and helping and serving and loving and caring for them because they prayed that prayer and God changed them. God broke their hearts for what broke his and they couldn't see children in need without just breaking down and weeping and God put that on. So I'm not saying that you're going to go to Guatemala or, or South America or someplace like that. But I would challenge you to pray one of these prayers every day through the end of the calendar year and see what God works in your heart. See how he uses it to change you. And this morning, um, I wanted to pray with you the second prayer uh, on the back from Brandon Heath. So I would invite you to stand as we close our service today.
and let's pray this. We don't do this all that often to pray a corporate prayer out loud together, but let's do this. It starts with a section from the Lord's Prayer and then it goes into the song lyrics from Brandon Heath. Uh, Let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Amen. Let me pray and I'll dismiss you. Father, thank you. I would pray that you would give all of us your eyes, your ears, especially this holiday season with people around us who will be hurting and who will be in need of compassionate love. Neighbors, friends, family members, coworkers, I don't know who, classmates, would you just give us your eyes to see them their lifestyle choices are different than ours, would you give us eyes to see them with love and compassion and not judgment and frustration and anger? Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours when people are wandering lost far away from you and they don't know how to find their way home? Would you give us compassion to go and love them and lead them one step at a time back into the arms of Christ? I pray your blessing over this church family. Uh, And I pray for uh, the two guys that are getting baptized in the next service, uh, that your blessing would be on them and their families this week as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace and have a great week.